Oh God, you invite us to come to you, for you first came to us. Teach us what it means tonight to have access to you by your grace. For the sake of Jesus, our Savior, amen. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. I'm noticing that on the pulpit is this little wooden sign. I believe, Vern, Vern, you probably made this for us. It says Jesus. It's up here as a reminder that we're to preach Jesus from this pulpit. And that's why we're here tonight, isn't it? To hear about him. I dare say that a topic that is important to all of us is the topic of access. We like to have access to things, don't we? Access to customer services, access to new opportunities, access to places. With all of the gated communities here in Scottsdale, we're all keenly aware of the concept of access, aren't we? The guard at the typical guard gate has a task to do, to either grant access or deny access to someone who wants to enter into that neighborhood. And even if if there is no guard on duty, we often find ourselves needing an access code to enter a neighborhood or a property. Access is a part of our everyday living. Another kind of access concerns entrance into a foreign country. And of course, for that, one needs a passport. Access is indeed a universal need and a universal concern. And then, how important is access when it comes to your electronic devices? How many times have you been denied access because you forgot your username or your password? And then you forgot where you wrote those down. So now you're trying to remember where they're located so that you can finally access your devices. Yeah, access is a part of our everyday living. We all like it, of course, when access is granted to us. That feels good. But we get frustrated when access is denied. Unless it's denying access to those who intend us harm, then we're all too glad that access can be denied. Imagine for a moment a person walking in front of the White House seeking access to the President of the United States. Better yet, imagine that that person is you. There you are. You're in fine form. You're dressed up in your Sunday best clothing. You want an audience with the commander-in-chief of the country because, by golly, there are some burning issues that you want to take up with him. First, there's the problem of the freeway nearest you. It doesn't have an exit ramp close enough to your home, and you want the president to do something about it. And then there's the issue of income taxes. They're too high for you and too low for everybody else. And then finally, there's that sticky matter called student loans. Couldn't the president just make a few phone calls and and get you off the hook after all? 
Well, let's be honest, though. There are far too many barriers between you and the president. The gates are locked. The guards won't let you in. And the Secret Service, by and large, has orders to shoot first and ask questions later. But what if, what if one day the president were to look out his window on Pennsylvania Avenue and see you standing there? And what if he gives the command and his security detail and escorts you right into the Oval Office? What would that be like? And what if the president attentively listens and makes all the changes you ask for? Wow. Too good to be true, right? With the president of the United States, yes. But with the king of the universe, you indeed have a friend in high places. In fact, in the highest place. Today, as you know, is Maundy Thursday. And in our sermon series on the book of Exodus, we come tonight to Exodus chapter 24. And it is a story about access, specifically about access to God. We begin with these words in verse 1. Then he, that is God, said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Now that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Worship from afar. Don't get too close. Moses, Aaron, and Aaron's two sons, who would also later be priests, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel don't have access. There are far too many barriers between them and the Lord. Let's review. Yahweh himself, the Lord, is the holy, infinite, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, only God. You might say Yahweh is in a league all by himself. And sure, Yahweh has descended upon Mount Sinai in a cloud and in his glory. But Israel's leaders must still worship from afar. Why is that? Well, the Bible says that all people are born dead in transgressions and sins. And sins separate us from a holy God. The Bible says that by nature we are God's enemies. The Bible says we are like fading leaves, empty cisterns, and flowers quickly fading. The Bible says that we are rebels, prodigals, prone to wander, hard-hearted, selfish, and lost in sin. But then God says something rather interesting in verse 2 of Exodus 24. Moses alone, he says, shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. All right, we've got to ask the question, why Moses? Why does Moses get to come near? Well, Moses gets to come near because Moses is the mediator, the go-between, between God and the people. 
Moses is going to bridge the gap, if you will, between Israel's leaders and God. He's going to bridge that gap, but how so? How is he going to do that? Well, listen to verse 8 of our text. It says, Moses took the blood, that is, from the sacrifice of animals, the blood of the covenant. Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Blood. He splatters blood on the people. Well, if you remember, blood is how the Israelites got out of Egypt. Remember the story? The Passover lamb was slain, and its blood splattered on the door frames of the houses. The angel of death passed over Israelite houses, but passed right through the Egyptian houses and struck down every firstborn in Egypt. Blood is how the Israelites got out of Egypt. And blood is how the Israelites gained access to God. And if you think about it, blood is all that we need too. Now we're going to expound on that in just a moment. But after this entire ceremony with the blood, we read these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They saw God, and catch this, and ate and drank. They saw God and ate and drank. These Israelites not only see the God of Israel, they eat and drink in his presence. Talk about access granted. In spite of their humanity, God gives them the gift of access on account of the blood of the covenant. And friends, this access is God's gift to you as well. And it goes back to the significance of the blood. Blood, if you realize it, is how we get out of Egypt too. Yeah, our Egypt. Egypt, the place of our enslavement to sin. Egypt, our house of guilt and remorse and darkness and death. Blood is how we get out of of Egypt. And blood is also how we gain access to God. Blood is all we need. But whose blood? Not the blood of animals, but Christ's blood alone. Calvary, you see, isn't a sudden, unexpected tragedy. Christ's execution is not God's knee-jerk reaction to a world spinning out of control, as if God didn't know this was going to happen. No, long before the world was even made, the Father planned for His Son's blood to be shed. On Good Friday, 
the Jewish leaders wanted Barabbas. Herod wanted a show. Pilate simply wanted out. Caiaphas wanted death. The soldiers just wanted to have some fun. And the executioners, all they wanted was Jesus' blood. And their strategy was singular. Beat him within an inch of death and then stop. And with his back lacerated by lashes, they shove the crossbar onto his shoulders. And when he comes to Calvary's hill, there they nail him to the wood. And there he hangs. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Friends, all is not right with the world because God is in his heaven, as is often said. No, all is right with the world because God is on the cross. Let me say it again. All is right with the world because God is on the cross, shedding his blood for you and me. Hebrews 10.19 says, Therefore, we have confidence, catch that word, confidence. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. You remember from the Gospels that at Jesus' death, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. The curtain that was preventing access to the most holy place was ripped open. The significance of that? By the blood of Jesus, you see, we have full access. Access to the most holy place. Access to the throne of Almighty God. As St. Paul said in tonight's epistle reading from Romans chapter 5, we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. It's open to us through Christ. Through the blood of Jesus, we have access to the heart of him who rules the sun, the moon, and the stars. Access to our Father, who wields a full monopoly of power in heaven and on earth, all for us, his dear children. And by the blood of Jesus, we enter God's presence with confidence, not with shaking and trembling, not with angst and fear. We enter with confidence. You know, the word confidence appears 40 times in the New Testament. That's pretty significant. Why is that? Well, the message of the New Testament is singular. By the blood of Jesus, we have unlimited access to the most holy place of the most holy God who has the most holy name. That's confidence. Confidence to live this life. Confidence to speak the word of God. Confidence even when we suffer. Confidence when we pray. And confidence, yes, when we approach the end of our time on this earth. Unlimited access. This is God's gift to Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel. 
But notice something here. They go up and they see the God of Israel. And what do they do? They eat and drink with him. On the night before Jesus is crucified, he gives his disciples access. Access to the God of Israel. Access to himself, their Savior. And what do they do? They eat and drink with him. So why should we remain on the outside all alone in our sin, feeling as though we have no access to the most powerful person in the universe? At this table, friends, at this table, we not only have access to God, at this table we see God. At this table, we have fellowship with him. And he forgives our sins as we eat and drink the true body and the true blood of Jesus, our Savior. On this Maundy Thursday night, ponder deeply what Jesus has made possible. Unlimited access to God himself. Unlimited access. It is God's gift in Christ at this table for you. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, your Savior. Amen.